meditation is the recipe. I just gotta take my time. I just gotta take my time. Prayer meditation is the recipe. I just gotta take my time. I just gotta take my what is up guys welcome back to another episode of the christian athlete paradox my name is ryan metz and i'm the host of the christian athlete paradox but i have a new twist today and i know i've been introducing a lot of new twists recently uh, but this is a good twist so joining me on the podcast now is my fiance grace karen um soon to be grace metz which i'm pretty excited about but as grace and i are kind of walking through this season of engagement together we both kind of have looked at our ministries and where we pour into people and we wanted to start doing something together. And so I will give Grace a chance to introduce herself, but a little bit of background on Grace. Grace played club field hockey at Penn State for two years, cut short because of COVID and studying abroad. But obviously, Grace has a lot of athleticism. She knows what uh, the collegiate athletic sphere is like um, and knows some of the challenges that it faces. But Grace also has a unique background from their standpoint that she became a Christian when she was um, about a senior in college. So she spent most of her college years walking in the ways of the world, um, which I think gives her a really, really powerful testimony. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit next week, interviewing Grace to kind of just hear some of her story, because hearing and seeing the revolution and the change that God did in her life is something that it's only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And it's so cool to see and everyone that knows her sees the change that was in her. And she just radiates it to everyone that she ha- she comes into contact with. So I'm excited to have Grace on the podcast, continuing now to be a part of this ministry with me. But she also has so much wisdom. And I think that's something that God gifted her with is the ability to discern what the Holy Spirit is telling us and to be able to verbalize that. It's actually funny, between the two of us, she's way more relational than I am. Um, This is definitely a struggle for me, but she is so outgoing and so people-oriented. And so I'm so excited to have her on the podcast, but I can't wait for what the Holy Spirit does through her with this. Um, So Grace, thank you so much for being here. Uh, You've watched this from a distance, but now I'm excited to have you alongside me. Awesome. Thank you so much. I am just thrilled to be able to join Ryan in this um, and watching the cap grow so far. And, you know, in this season of engagement, it has really been apparent um, that it's a good time to really start to come together and bring our strengths together. So I'm excited to continue and uh, talk to you guys a little bit more next week about my testimony. But for now, let's get into uh, what we have for today. Yeah, definitely. So where are we going today? You definitely saw the title of the episode and are like, huh, title nine, what are we, what are we talking about today? And so what better time for Grace to join the podcast simply because title nine is something that is for men and women alike. Um, and it's created to create equality among athletes through the high school collegiate level. And so I think this is a really cool topic that needs to be talked about and it's not being talked about in the church enough and honestly it was just brought to my attention and so when I found out what was happening with title nine I knew we had to talk about it here Um, and so this might be a tough conversation for some of you all to listen to today uh, but I hope that we can come at it from a biblical perspective we can share what the truth of God's word tells us and then we can dive into how it applies to our lives So in order to talk about Title IX, I wanted to stay biblical with this. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about with this is we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 8. Um, And then we're going to kind of go from there into how that applies to our lives. 
So 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 8 says this, But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are belonging to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as the breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Okay. So we, right off the bat, we see this difference between darkness and light. And obviously light is pointing to the light of Christ. And that is the truth in the word of God. And so we're going to talk about what's happening here with Title IX. And for those of you that don't know, Title IX is, is trying to be changed. It's trying to be modified. And this is a big deal. As believers, we must stand firm and oppose that which is not biblical. And so... I'm going to read what Title IX is right now according to the legislation. And it says, No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from the participation in or be denied the benefits of or be subject to the discrimination under the any education program or activity receiving financial assistance. So right off the bat, we can see some tangible examples of Title IX legislation in action. For example, at the collegiate level, we see that largely based on scholarships. So for example, men's baseball actually gets 11.7 scholarships for a 35-man roster, but softball gets 12 scholarships for a 28-person roster. Similarly, men's soccer gets 9.9 scholarships versus women's soccer who gets 14. And so you see some of these differences in scholarships, but what, what it's really doing is it's attempting to equal out the scholarships that are given to men's football. And now women don't have any kind of sport that resembles uh, the scale of men's football. And so women often get more scholarships among the other sports to then make it equal. You know, for example, football gets 60 or 85 scholarships at the division one level. And so those scholarships have to be made up for females across other sports like volleyball, uh, soccer, softball, etc. And so obviously this is really good legislation. Uh, another reason that this legislation was was so good when it was implemented was because at this this time there was no incentive for women to stay and go into higher education, and so by now promoting women's sports all the way through the collegiate level, it got more women to stay in school, it got more women to get a higher education, thus presenting a more equal gap between men and women in the workforce. From a biblical definition, we would never proclaim that men and women have the same skill set, have the same roles, but that does not mean that God has not equipped us equally to perform the tasks he calls us to. And so having a legislation that gives men and women equal opportunity to fulfill the roles that God has called them to is a really, really good thing. And so the reason that we're talking about this and, and the reason that we as Christian athletes should care about this is because this new legislation being pushed by the Biden administration is seeking to destroy this gap. And what do I mean by that? There is a released proposed change now available for us to review prior to be it being sent for proposal into a new law into effect. And what that means is that we as Christians and people and civil governance have the ability to go and, and present feedback based on their new rule. And this is what their new, new rule reads. It says, all students shall be guaranteed an educational environment free from discrimination on the basis of sex. 
pause. This is exactly the same. Has not changed so far. Continuing, it says, including discrimination in the form of sexual harassment, which encompasses sexual violence and including discrimination on the basis of sexual identity and gender identity. Now we're like, okay, Ryan, where are you going with this? Like, we've talked about sex. We've talked about equal opportunity. We've read the Bible. Now, how the heck do these relate? The first thing that I want to preface, and I think that we need to understand as Christians, is that our hearts as Christians should absolutely break for those who are struggling with sexual identity confusion and sexual orientation confusion. This is a huge, major issue in our culture today where we are affirming a lie that you are not who God has created you to be. Let me say that again. We are affirming a lie that you are not who God has created you to be. And by doing that, it means that we're superseding God's original design to say that, no, 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 God got it wrong. You go live your life. Go live your truth. And that's not right. That is anti-biblical. And so we as Christians should be the ones first off to control this narrative. But the way that we control this narrative is not by shouting from the other side of the aisle, but by coming along those who are struggling with this uh, sexual identity confusion and sexual orientation confusion and walking with them. And so that's a really tough thing in our culture right now is to say, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean walking with them? And the church has gotten a bad rap because we say what we believe and then we don't follow it up with action or the action isn't loud enough. And they say that actions speak louder than words. And if we look at what Jesus did, Jesus did both. Jesus spoke the truth boldly. And that's what we as Christians should do is speak the truth boldly and stand on his truth. But he also loved. He also had action that followed that. And if that means that we come alongside someone and walk with them through that, and we don't necessarily affirm what they're believing, but we walk with them and tell them about a God who loves them, that is the role of the church. And we have to control that narrative. Grace, what would you say about that? Honestly, my only thought around this after what you just said, which is awesome, is we live in a cancel culture, though. So there's the notion of just love everybody. But the notion of well, what does love even mean in today's society? Love is not the love that we talk about in the Bible and that what God tells us and teaches us that love is. And so, Ryan, my question for you would be, how do you how do you go about these discussions with people and showing them that love and the truth while not affirming, but also not trying to get yourself canceled? Yeah. The Bible says that in this world, you may face troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And I actually might've mixed those verses, but, but essentially what Jesus is saying is that whatever we're facing, he's already faced. And so our role as Christians needs to be first and foremost to love God and to stick to his commandments. And the Bible says that we will have to stand before God one day and account for every single careless word that we ever spoke. And so in this instance here, if we don't hold fast to the truth, the Bible says that we will have to stand before God one day and account for why we did not stand up for him. And so I believe that it's the first, the role of the Christian to love God. And in order to love God, we have to be willing to speak and stand boldly on his truth doesn't mean that we shout it from the other side, but it doesn't mean that we shy away from it either. And there is a balance that is speaking the truth in love. And 
I think that's the first thing that we have to do is be willing to speak the truth in love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in Nazi Germany, had a really good quote where he says, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. And I think that's something that we as Christians in today's culture need to take more prevalent than ever before is that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. When we don't stand up for God's word, we're allowing evil to thrive. And so, yeah, some of us may get called bigots. Some people may call this hate speech, call us transphobes. The list goes on. But our job as Christians is to stand firm on this issue and be the ones that are leading the charge in love. Um, and no matter whatever someone may do to change their appearance of their identity, it doesn't change the way that God created them. And by superseding God's design, we, we take God off the throne and put ourselves on it. And so that's the reason that we as Christians need to need to care about this issue. And the reason that I've chosen to talk about it today and that is because that is the premise of this podcast is the Christian athlete paradox in where Christianity and athletics appear to not meet and they appear to be a paradox. But guys, they're not. The Bible speaks on these issues and it is our job as Christians to be willing to stand up for the truth. And Grace, as you mentioned, sometimes that means getting canceled. And sometimes that means losing our platform, but that's okay because our allegiance is to God. It's not to the world. The Bible says that it's better to be known by God than be friends with the world. And so that's where this discussion kind of goes today. And so you might be saying, whoa, whoa, whoa Ryan, I don't, I don't really want to talk about politics, but guys, this is not a political conversation. This is a biblical conversation. And let me show you right here. It says Romans 13, one through seven. It starts out by saying everyone must submit himself to the governing authority for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so in that you read, okay, well, if God has established all authorities, then all authorities must be right. But if we read our Bible, that is not the case. The Bible says that God establishes authorities and governments on this earth to proclaim and to get his will to his people. And if that means that his people rise up to stand on the word of God more boldly to get our attention, then maybe that's what government is for. You see in the Old Testament that God rose up the Babylonians to t overtake the Israelites, his people, to get the attention of the Israelites. It was not because the Babylonians were worshiping Jesus. No, no, no. They were worshiping their own gods. And so just because a government is in power does not make that government under God or allegiant to God. And so this issue right now to be able to have the ability to have the freedom to go to our government and say, no, I don't agree with this law. It's not only our civil duty, but it's our biblical duty. I want to read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so, come to the knowledge of the truth. And now remember, this is not my truth. This is not your truth. This is the knowledge of the truth. There is absolute truth. Don't let anybody ever tell you differently because there is absolute truth and it's found in the word of God. And the Bible says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We must acknowledge God's authority. The thing I want to add too is that, guys, we have the truth on our side. Don't let the enemy shame you into silence. 
Let's go back to this legislation and how this actually affects us as athletes. I want to talk a little bit about Will Thomas. I think this was a story that a lot of us came to know and to hear about in the news. Will Thomas is a transgender swimmer at Penn University. And the church was kind of called into question of, okay, what should our stance be on this? And I think the church kind of took a backseat to this. And so what this legislation is doing right now is it's protecting Will Thomas in this. And a lot of you guys know him as Leah. Um, I think that's what he goes by now. But this legislation was created to protect Will to have the ability to compete where he wants to compete. And so there was all these moral questions that were raised by this that said, well, if he identifies as that, then he should be able to. Or the other side of the aisle was saying that, no, Will was ranked 400-something in the nation as a male swimmer and then became a female swimmer and was ranked number one in the nation by a long shot. And so not only is this anti-biblical to the beliefs of the Bible, but also it's not right and not fair to those women who are competing. It's taking away their chance to compete on a fair playing field and essentially just get, getting rid of that because someone identifies as something else. Grace, you, you had something you wanted to add to this. I just want to start out flat out. When you deny biological reality in its entirety, you are completely undermining the equality and the sole purpose of Title IX. And what I would add to this is when I played club field hockey, I did not play against any transgender women. However, I did play in a sport that allowed for every 11 people on the field, you could have two males on it. And the disadvantage that that put our entire team of females at was incredible. You're playing with a person who is... 6'2", guarding me, who is 5'4", that person probably 200 pounds, myself 120. And you're telling me that I need to hit the ball as hard as he can, I need to be able to run as fast as he can, and if I can't, oh well. That's basically what this is doing. Even though they're claiming to be, okay, well, it's still a female in a female sport, it's wrong. You're claiming to be a female, but you have all of the biology of a male, and that puts all of this at a disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, you can't say it any better than that, that there's just a flat-out difference between the way that God created us. It doesn't make one better than the other. It makes us different. And the Bible says that when male and female join together, the purpose is to make us holy and complete and that we are as much like Christ when we are male and female together. And so to be able to be as much like Christ means that there have to be differences and that grace's weaknesses are my strengths and my strengths are her weaknesses. And we have the ability to balance one another out to point us back to Christ. And I think you can see that everywhere from on the field to off the field. I mean, simply in Grace and I's relationships, simply the way that we process information is just different. It doesn't make one right or, the, or not right. It just makes it different enough that we hopefully can come to the right solution. And so, like I said, we've, talk, we've said it before, we'll say it again. When we deny the truth of biological reality, we not only deny God, but we hurt those that it's affecting in the process. The church needs to be the one that's taking the stand on this issue. But right now, the church has been silent. In the case of Will Thomas, how should we react if we have a friend that's a transgender or who believes that they're 
a member of the opposite sex? How do we as the church come alongside them and walk with them? The first thing we got to do, guys, is we have to go to God in prayer. And so by going to God in prayer and presenting our request to him, that's how things get done. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit moves and lives in each inside of every one of us. And to have a direct lifeline to God, to pray for someone and to pray that that person would come to see the goodness and the knowledge and their beauty in the way that God created them, that is the first thing and best thing that we can possibly do for them is to walk alongside them in prayer. And the next thing we can do, guys, is we have to love them in the way that Christ loves us. And so that does not necessarily mean we affirm them in their ideology, but it does mean that we're support them and love them and proclaim God's will upon their life, that God does have a plan for them and that they were created with a purpose and they were created with an intelligent and loving creator designing each and every single part of them. The Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on our head. He created the flowers and the lilies around us. How much more does he love us with the way that he created us? Everything on this earth was created for us, with us in mind. And so how much more does God love us? If we look around at creation and see his love for us through creation, but also we can see it in the design of how we're made. And so I think we have to do a good job as the church of, of calling out that unique and purposeful design that God has for us. So as we wrap this up, I think the, the next question and the final question that we want to understand as Christians is why is there such a disconnect between the world and the word of God? Another way to put that is, why does the world want to affirm this lie rather than uphold the truth of God's design? Well, the first reason, I believe, is that by acknowledging God's design that male and female are different, we must acknowledge that God is the authority. And so that's something that the world does not want to do. Is The world does not want to acknowledge that God is the creator and the author of life. And the world has done everything they possibly can to take God out of the equation. I also want to add to that the question of, do you believe that the Bible is authoritative? And I can answer for you, yes. But there's a huge idea right now that you can agree with certain things in the Bible, but you don't have to agree with all of it. And so to that and thinking that God and knowing that God is our authority, you have to fully believe that even though some of his commands don't entirely make sense to us, they are authoritative and we have to obey them. And the Bible says that there are answers for the questions that we don't understand. I think it's in Isaiah. The, it says that for his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And there are just some things that God is doing that he has the 30,000 foot view to that we don't. We only see what's right in front of us. And so the things that don't make sense to us, we trust that God is in control and that God is a good God who loves us and has created all things for us. And so there's a reason that we can trust in the authoritative word of God because the Bible has been proven true time and time again and his, his word will not ever fail us. The second reason that the world wants to affirm this lie rather than uphold the truth is that it is easier to affirm the lie than take the time to walk alongside someone who struggles with this. And so that is something that we as the church need to do a better job of is to walk alongside someone. And it does. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes putting aside our own wants and desires to then put in someone else's in front of us. And so that is something that I think the church can do a better job of. But it doesn't mean that we should just take the easy way out and affirm the lie. I hope that makes sense. And I hope that 
this conversation has been helpful and been beneficial. If you have any questions, like this is a conversation that the church is not getting a lot of direction on from the pulpit. And that doesn't mean that it's not happening or that it's not being, that truth is not being proclaimed, but it just means that we as Christians need to go and look with discernment on the churches that we're listening to and the pastors that we're listening to um, to see who is actually preaching from the word of God in its totality. But also we need to push our leaders that are not and push those around us who are not in the word of God back to the word of God. And so I want to take the time first off to pray for not only those who are struggling with gender identity dysphoria and confusion, but also for our leaders who have strayed away from talking about some of the tougher issues because I think it needs to be talked about. And I think God calls us to. The Bible talks a lot about this. God knew that it would be a real issue in our culture because it was a real issue then. But we need to take time to pray for our leaders, for our pastors, and for those who are obviously struggling with this. So I'm going to do that on the podcast. I've never prayed before on the podcast, but I'm going to do that now. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would be with this nation, Lord, that we would turn back to you and that we would see you as the authoritative designer and author of life, Lord. Lord, first off, we lift up those who are struggling with gender dysphoria, confusion, and um, we just pray that they would know, come to know that you love them and that you are for them um, and that you have created them with a unique and intense purpose and um, and that they are so loved by you, Lord. Lord, I want to take time to also lift up our leaders of this nation, Lord, that though we may not agree with the policies that they've set in action, Lord, that you would give us the ability to exercise our civil responsibilities, Lord, that we can oppose legislation that we don't agree with, Lord, that is countercultural to our beliefs. I just pray, Lord, that you would um, take root of this nation and that you would allow us as believers to rise up and to boldly proclaim and stand on your truth, Lord. Lord, I also lift up the pastors, Lord, um, and those in, in in leadership positions around us, Lord. I pray that you would just um, give them the boldness to speak the truth, Lord. I pray that you would help them to stand on the word of God, Lord, and that they would not be silenced by the enemy into speaking things that are only comfortable to us, Lord, but that they would be willing to speak the truth of, of the word of God, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord. We pray that you would come upon this nation, that you would spark a revival in us, Lord, that we would come back to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray for our campuses around the country, Lord, um, who de so desperately need to hear your name. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think that's a good place to wrap up the podcast. Grace, thank you so much for joining. I'm excited to sit down with you next week and hear some of your story. And I think it'll be a real encouragement, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And yes, like you said, just looking forward to next week and continuing this with you. All right. We love you guys. Uh, if you guys need anything, be sure to reach out to us on Instagram, through the podcast, through my own personal account. We'll, we'll be tagged. We love you. Have a great week. And as always, guys, go Hokies. Boy, your meditation is a